if they go, okay, remote is a trend, let's do it because of the trend, it's a very wrong approach. You are listening to Running Remote, a podcast about building and scaling effective distributed teams. Join us as we dive inside the minds and processes of CEOs, managers, nomads, and dynamic entrepreneurs who are building impactful businesses and organizations through this new and innovative movement. They've thrown out the traditional rules and business textbooks and are actively finding new ways of organizing their teams, driving productivity, and scaling their growth. I'm your host, Stephanie Burns. Today's episode is brought to you by Running Remote, the world's largest remote work conference. Check out the speaker lineup at runningremote.com and get 20% off your ticket for being a podcast listener. Simply use code IRUNREMOTELY and your 20% discount will automatically be applied. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Running Remote Podcast. I'm Stephanie Burns. And today with me, I have Shaheen Boydosh, founder of Remote Team. How are you? I'm very good. How are you, Stephanie? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really, really excited to talk to you. Number one, because you just have a cool story being from Turkey, but also what Remote Team does for anyone that has remote employees and how it's a management tool. So before we get started talking about all of that. Can you give us some background on you? Yeah, of course. Uh, first of all, did you ever visit Turkey? I have not visited Turkey yet. It's on my list. Yeah, I think it's a very beautiful place. Like nice beaches, great food, great service with a very reasonable price. <laughs> so we I'm can on it. <laughs> Istanbul and Turkey a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so I have a funny story. I was actually born in Boston. So my first language was English, but unfortunately, I don't have a Boston accent. And my family, my father was studying in MIT at that time, met with my mom in a driving license exam and then later on they moved back to Turkey. But I was very lucky because I had a computer from United States when I was like six years old, become a coder, a computer engineer and built my first startup when I was 16 years old. Wow. Yeah, it was one of the first e-commerce website and I'm mostly focusing on e-commerce and I built a mobile phone for kids after it. And I at the time, I'm in tech, I need to be in the tech tech mecca. So I decided, left my last company, exited, traveled the world for a year and decided to move back to Silicon Valley in 2011. And I remember because I'm from Turkey, like a lot of stories right now, when you come here, you don't have a network. So anything you want to build, you are hiring people from your own country. And I remember at that time when I had remote teams, my investors are always telling me, ah, don't get a remote team. You need a local team. Cheap is not that cheaper is not that important. You need to have a San Francisco based team. So you got acquired because of your team. So I remember a lot of people and a lot of investors were like, act to remote. It's like eight years ago, like so many people. Now I'm so happy that it's totally reversed. So I always manage remote teams for a very, very, very long time before Slack, before Zoom. And I know the problems really well from the operational founder CEO perspective. And then I decided to do the remote team six months ago. So tell us about remote team. So the remote team is, it started with problems I had in my previous startups, which was like a movie related startup and a sticker startup and augmented reality app. And I always had 10 to 20 people. One of the things that I spent a lot of time was sending money, managing their time offs, 
other countries they have more holidays than US <laughs> people. <laughs> so let's say we have an app store launch on September and I email some like our designer or someone and they say, Oh, we are in holiday. What? Like we have a launch. How did you tell me? I emailed you. Like these kind of problems I had managing that, putting in Google Docs or wiring transfer money. Because in US when it comes to payroll, in US we sold it, right? With Gusto, Zenefits, other payroll providers. But when companies becoming remote, they don't have a system for their back office. So like simply for payments, I'm talking with a lot of startups and they are using Pioneer, they are using bank buyers, they are using TransferWise, they are using PayPal at the same time, right? So what we end up doing is putting all together all these payment services in one umbrella and make people to pay their remote teams super easily. Mm-hmm. This is how the idea started. And then we had all the cool features that you need, like the time off, local holidays, birth dates, document signatures, reimbursement, expenses, payrolls, payments, inventories, everything that's related. And we are trying to become a platform for all the apps for remote teams. And you can come and install it and use it through remote teams. So that's the big vision. It's really the back end of everything that you need. For a remote team. Very exactly. exciting. Very cool. The name is amazing. Our name is Remote Team. And the story <laughs> is, I will tell this story in a podcast. It will be fun. So I had my rent money and a little bit money. Like I had, everyone asked me, how did I get the remote team.com name, yeah, right? I was going to ask and, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone is asking that. I had this idea for like one and a half, two years, because I was constantly tired of Excel's bank accounts, like all the money. It's like it was taking me like one, two, three hours every month. So I had this idea for a very long time. And I tried to buy the domain name and it was always like $50,000, $100,000. One day out of blue, I find the owner of the domain name. It's so weird. And I emailed him saying that, man, it's so crazy, but my rent is $4,000. I have $4,300 in my bank account. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I am willing to send you $4,000 right now if you're going to sell me the domain. And the guy responded, oh my God, I am getting married. I need money right Right now, send me the money. I will give you the domain name next week. Okay. But you have to trust me. I said, ah. I send him the money. <laughs> the rest is his story because like how I survived and ever rent money and something. But I send him the money and then he sent back the domain name to me like two weeks later. It's pretty interesting. Oh my gosh, how amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's such a fate. <laughs> that is yeah. so great. So how yeah, long did it take you to build? So I am a very seasoned entrepreneur with, I have a lot of good engineers. It took us like three months to build our initial version. And then we launched it with some accelerators like Stanford Startex. We are partnered with them. Like we give them perks. We give other accelerators discounts and perks. And then it took us like three, four months to build it actually. Gosh, that's a lot sooner than I thought you were going to say. That's pretty amazing. We are working now. The team is 12 people. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, we are 100% distributed. And I'm trying to, to have nearly every kind of representation in our team. Like we have people from Asia. We have people from Africa. We have people from Europe. And I'm trying to also, even from day one, trying to have equal ideology of female, male, and other. I'm trying so hard to have a very equal and the really most diverse team that we can become an example for everyone. 
I love that. So let's talk about that for a second. What kind of advantages have you seen having that kind of a diverse group? I would think like the ideas that come, you know, across the table would be just so fantastic from all those different perspectives. This is a very sensitive topic. I am such a crazy feminist guy. I think the man time is over. Like, let's let's leave it. Let's leave it to the female energy, emotional IQ. We we rule the world enough, right? I think it's done. (laughs) And we messed it up. Okay, the world is in a horrible place. So I believe uh, when you have diverse people, everyone has very different creative progress, process, right? Different kind of emotional ideas, different kind of experiences, different kind of communicating with people, right? And I think from every culture, every identity group or every gender, we can learn something very deep and profound. And this is what I always believe. And the more open we listen this, the more open-minded ideas we will have, which will end up having a lot of creativity in my head. Because if you look at SaaS companies, their website is a little bit boring, right? So what I'm planning to do is, like I have a comedian from New York. She's amazing. I told them, like, can you do the language, the content in our website so it looks fun and more emotional? This is how I really think, actually. I love that. You're hiring a comedian to write your copy? That's so brilliant. Like my homepage. That is so cool. And, you know, I just to touch on men being feminists, I really do believe that the next evolution in female empowerment is men. It is men that are standing up and saying women are equal and they're valuable and they help to make the process better. And there's so many different creative processes. So I I applaud you for acknowledging that diversity is a key strategy for your company. It's amazing. I have a girl and a boy. My girl, she's one and a half year. It's She's smarter than a three-year-old. Uh. Okay, I think <laughs> men and women are not equal. Women is way smarter and more <laughs> emotional connected than men. So that is so nice if you are saying it's equal. I don't, you know, nomads and tribes in, I am Turkish, in Turkish cultures in the old middle ages and centuries, like woman is more important in the society than men. Men is just go to the war and die. That's level. Like they don't have a lot of contribution. They do the dirty work of women. This is how they believe in, right? Now we are entering in a world that emotional intelligence is more important. And I think how you feel or the biologically or non-biologically, if you feel that way, a female emotional intelligence is way stronger than the man. And now we are entering that world. I do think that that women are are taking the lead on that. And, you know, everybody can benefit from that kind of perspective change to just be front and center. So it's it's really great to see. And I'm I'm glad that you are. I am pretty crazy feminist. So I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So you have a team of 12. And where is everybody in the world? So we are only me is in America. The rest is Africa, Middle East, and Europe. And we have one person from Pakistan and one person from India. Oh, very cool. And so how are you creating culture amongst your distributed team? So when I look at culture, I put three things to be the most important foundation. One is fairness, open communication, and honesty. Wherever you are, whatever you are, whatever you think, whatever you feel, like everyone has get the same fairness and equality. And this is our really core culture. And for us, trying to be insanely open and honest. And 
when you have these, it creates a great culture that every kind of person can give a lot of ideas. And we also have something called ideas, create ideas. So even your idea is bad, it's not that important. Give your idea and these ideas will always lead to a bigger idea. So these are our cultural foundations. I love the ideas create ideas, by the way, because I totally agree with that. Yeah. How are you keeping everyone connected? What are the tools that you're using? I'm sure Slack, everybody uses Slack. So we try to do a few things. So I have a very weird feeling about Slack that we move to a voice communication world while we are still trying to chat we try not to chat a lot with typing. We don't type a lot. We just put, like, if you share a link or if you want to show something, you put it in Slack. When I compare other companies that I sort of advise, know how much they talk over Slack and how much we do, I will say we are 10x smaller. And we try to spend a lot of time in Zoom and talk with people one-to-one. And so we have opens like we have slots that the teams of our company come together so right now we have engineering content and content growth is same and design right and we try to we set times and everyone comes together on that group at that time and we try to put like 10 minutes just chit chat about everything like random topics and then we start to do work and on Fridays we try to have you know refrigerator talk like in offices it doesn't exist in remote team so we try to do that on Fridays like just like everyone is on open online just like can talk with anyone you want more like I call it refrigerator talks (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys ever get together in person to have like a summit or? We will, we will. We are, we are pretty new. Mm -hmm. So what we will do is probably, I want to bring people in more like in a spiritual environment. So I will, I have a place in Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. So I will probably bring them in Costa Rica and have some spiritual experiences plus work plus summit. We didn't do that. We are such a new team. That's why. Like, but we're going to do that as soon as possible. That's cool. That's really, why is it important to you? So just because I'm curious, why is it important to you to bring a spiritual aspect to a retreat or a summit like that? We are spiritual people, don't you think? Yes, I do. (laughs) So we are soul and our, yeah, I am a very spiritual person. Mm -hmm. So that's why I love, like if I'm going to do a summit instead of in a hotel, like I want people to do, oh my God, I had great experiences. And in these spiritual retreats, people are opening up a lot Mm -hmm. and you have an amazing connection with the people in spiritual kind of retreats. It's unbelievable connection. And everyone talks about that connection. So instead of going to a hotel, if you go to any kind of, let's say, ceremonial places in Costa Rica, Peru, people will connect way more deeper than any other thing. Than just in a business type session. Exactly. I feel these retreats are some companies give everything in the company on site and they say this is happiness. But I always feel they try to keep the people in the company, right? <laughs> don't go home, you can even sleep. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to take people's holiday, right? So if you're going to do a summit, it should have some kind of different experiences so they really feel like it's coming together in a non-work environment. Because people are working so hard. Like my team works so hard. 
Yeah. And truthfully, too, when you can foster that kind of a connection, a deep connection, it's great because typically that'll happen over time when teams are in the same working space. But when they're not, connection becomes even more important to try and foster. So that's really cool. So what are the challenges that you are experiencing or have experienced having a remote team? So to be honest, I never had, for the last 10 years, I never had an office team. <laughs> so <laughs> in the old days, when I had the office, like now, I totally forgot that days. But like, we don't have any disadvantages. I think we have more advantages, right? First of all, people are not traveling, commuting. I think commuting, smelling that exhaust from the cars, pollution, the citrus, it seems like one hour, 45 minutes, but it's in reality. It's soul killing, as Elon Musk said. They save like two hours a day and are happy people. So I, I have no disadvantages of having a remote team, like zero. I had someone on the podcast who most of his team was over in the Philippines and he was considering building them a work site to where they could all come together and they were all like, no, 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 please don't, please don't do that, please don't do that because their commutes (laughs) would have been like three hours a day, even there. And so they were like, no, 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 we don't want that. (laughs) We don't want that because, yeah, yeah, commute is is soul killing. I am actually thinking a new concept. I think you can tell me you heard it or not, more like a micro summits. So let's say you are a full distributed team all over the world. Instead of trying to make maybe in every year, you bring everyone in the same place. That's for sure. That's given. But then micro summits is you bring people in Europe and Middle East and meeting in Bulgaria. Or you, you area say you have a Pakistan, India, Indonesia team. They come together in Thailand and go to a darkroom retreat, right? And yeah. bring like more geographical close people together in like some kind of like micro summits. This is what I am thinking to do in remote team in the next years. Yeah, that's a great idea. You'll have to let us know how that turns out. I'm sure it'll turn out fabulous. Yeah, fabulous. Because it's like trying to bring 20, 200 people in the same time. That's fine. But let's say you have micro groups of people. You bring them closer to just one direct flight to like three hour flight from that group. So find that center point that everyone can come and come. Because if I say I'm going to do a company gathering in Costa Rica, it's like, I don't know, like even from US, it's like 10 hours, right? And so like (laughs) I imagine someone from Eastern Europe, Bulgaria, like it's like 20 hour flight for them. Yeah, have a glass of wine waiting for them when they get off the plane (laughs) for sure. So what are some of the things that have been surprising for you in managing a remote team that you can maybe speak to to our listeners? Something that kind of took you back. I think the happiness aspect is really important. Mm. I believe the future, even this remote, will change how we're designing our cities. Because with the Zoom, with the Slack, with the new tools we are having, with 5G internet, I think like office will be a thing of pass. And Mm. I start to believe that more and more. Of course, we are still human, right? We still need to meet, but the efficiency it will create, not going to office and meet them. I start to believe like it will be like more on-demand office places that people come together on Fridays, talk, meet, have more emotional connections. But this is like the more I am and talking with other people, other startups as well, 
And for us, time efficiency is very important. I am seeing the world will become remote. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> People will not want to go to an office, which I don't know, like it is like carpet, smell, allergies, right? You have a lot of people, a lot of noise, right? I had a very interesting like, oh, wow, this is cool. I start to think when you are remote, you communicate more than the right. office. Recently went to a healthcare high tech company and there was like three people in the same group was sitting together. I said, how many hours you guys talk? And they said, oh, one hour a day. Okay, but you are in the same office then. Why you don't do this phone call to two hours? And if you don't commute, you guys can talk one and a half hour or two hours, right? Even in the people in the office don't talk that much, right? Right? <laughs> it's like we have a weird illusion that when you are together, you can just go and talk with anyone you want or communicate more efficiently, which is not true. Yeah, not always. No, that it is interesting. What kind of advice would you give our listeners if they don't have a remote team but are thinking about taking yeah. their team remote? Yeah, they have to do it as soon as possible. <laughs> they are competitive. Competitors do it. <laughs> a lot of people are asking this. And it's not a instant, quick, like a magical pill, right? We have to do, I think, in a more approachable in my head, take it slow process, right? Let's say you start with customer support. You start with the engineering. You have an engineering team and start to have remote people for that engineering team and just increase the remote, 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 remote more. And then the company will become more remote than non-remote. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, a you know, the open office trend, like everyone was talking, we need open office, we need open office. Now they do scientific research that open office actually is not that good, right? No. So, yeah, it's like for some companies, if they go, okay, remote is a trend, let's do it. Because of the trend, it's a very wrong approach. But they have to do it and improve their culture a little bit and treat a person who is remote and non-remote 100% same. Yeah. And I have a very very funny saying here. It's like a long distance relationship, right? <laughs> People can do very successful long distance relationships. It's like that, I think. I agree. You have to put in a little, a little more effort yeah, to stay connected. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so true. Yeah. When I talk to a lot of people on the podcast, they talk about having process documents and all of these things put together first. Is that what you've had to do with your teams? How detailed did you have to get before bringing someone on? For us, we look at the past, we look at how we always give them a small project and we always hire people who did remote work before because they might not have a good house situation mm -hmm. because if you have kids, you have, have some kind of an office kind of environment in your house or you need to have a very close proximity to a, a shared office space environment. So we, we always hire remote people. We always look people's character more than their talents, actually. Are they smiley, nice, have fun, have talked to? And then second is we, we look at the cultural fit first than the talent fit. How interesting. So what are you looking for for a good culture fit for a remote team? Yeah, that's a great question. Like, first of all, we always get very, our culture is a little bit maybe different. People is like, first of all, what is what their hobbies are and what they are doing in our company is sort of safe. If you leave this guy and don't give him any job, will he do the same thing that, thing that he's doing in our company? This is the number one thing that we look at. So their hobbies and their work become the same. This is the number one. And the second thing is we try to look people who is very hardworking, 
enjoying what they are doing and very honest and have a creative mind to learn things very quickly in a very, very short time and can come up with something better than what is the current status quo. Very cool. Things that I look at, but that's totally detailed. <laughs> I hired 250 people in my life. It's like 253 people. So I have like a good sense of, and I build a, some kind of a knowledge base around this. So these are the things we are looking at. But I do positive discrimination. So meaning is if there is a similar person, but let's say one is three year experience, one is two and a half years experience, but for us, the diversity is more important. So we select that over the experience. Okay. What are some surprising things that you, or some different things that you're always kind of secretly looking for having hired that many people? What's a tip off that you're like, that person's going to be great? This is so weird, but it's like, you know it when you meet them, actually. Even our team is, when you have the first cultural call or when you have the first call or when you are there in the, through the interview process, your initial intuition, empathy to them and what you feel at that time is always right over the time. So mm. let's say if you have concerns about them, that concerns become a problem. And there's a very funny thing that Elon Musk said, like, how do you hire? He says, gut feeling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. gut feeling. So it's like, it's really that. I'm seeing that. And the more that I don't listen to my gut feeling, the more mistakes I always did. It's, it's 99, 95% it's always true. And sometimes, okay, we see these red flags, but it looks great on paper. Let's hire her or him or them. And it always end up having more cultural problems because in, you solve these red flags, but you still hire them. Mm-hmm. So that energy aura is always sort of, or most of the time, right. So even we made a mistake, it's not right. But in the long term or in, in the statistical way, we are always right. Yes. I used to have a business partner in my previous company and she and I, we had a pact that if either one of us felt any <laughs> sort of weirdness for anything, Either one of us could be like, this doesn't feel right and deal's done. Whether it was a partnership deal, a media deal, hire, anything. If one of us was like, hmm, something feels off, both of us would be like, and scene, done. We won't move forward at all <laughs> because we wanted to trust each other's gut. It worked out. It worked every time. Saved us a few times for sure. Well, I loved chatting with you, learning more about remote team and how amazing it is, a backend solution for anyone that's trying to manage their remote team a little more efficiently and all of your experience. So thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. That's it for this episode of Running Remote. Thanks for joining us as we dive into the minds and processes of CEOs, managers, nomads, and dynamic entrepreneurs who are building impactful businesses and organizations through this new and innovative movement. We're a very small team behind this podcast, so if you liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review and share this episode with a friend. And definitely check us out at runningremote.com. Until next time.